I, I said to the first service, and I want to say to you, I, I am excited about where we are at currently. I wonder if there's anybody in church this morning that's like, I'm excited about 2024. I'm excited about the new year. I'm excited about just life. And Okay, so I'm at the right church this morning. I just wanted to make sure. So I know that January is like two months in one, and it comes with its own unique challenges. And uh, most of your kids went back to school this week, so it's probably been a crazy week. But there's so much beauty of where we find ourselves currently. I had the privilege to share some of that with Kate Tana the last two weeks as well. Just the new that God is busy doing and the new that He's inviting us into. Come on, is there anybody that's got an expectation for new things in their lives, for what God wants to open up and where He wants to draw us into? There's something beautiful that's busy happening. Come on, we are alive. Do you know what a privilege that is? We are alive for a time such as this. You are here this morning. You are dressed finely. Um, if you don't agree, that's a problem because you dressed yourself. So, um, But <laughs> you're looking great. You are alive. Um, we might look at a hundred different things in our lives and find a reason to be depressed or heavy. But the, the reality is we are alive and we are filled and flooded with the Spirit of God. Come on, without measure, God has given Himself to us. This day can be the best day of your life. I needed more amens there. This day could be the best day of your life, I tell you. Not because somebody might walk up to you after service and say, I'm buying KFC for you and your family, but because God, well, that would be great anyway, but God might just do something in this morning, maybe something tonight as Pastor Stephen's preaching, just something at home while you're lying on your bed this afternoon. You could have a visitation from God that can change your life. You can, you can see God answer that prayer that you've been praying for the last 10 years of your life. Come on, we've got to live with this expectation that God is at work in our lives. And, and I tell you, He is. And it's beautiful to see what He's doing and that we can be a part of it. I, I love our theme. I said it to the first of us as well. We, we entered this year with our theme, First God. And I mean, that just, I mean, it speaks to my heart. I've made that my theme. It's my family's theme. It's First God. It's God first in everything. I wanna see God first in every area of my life. I want to truly fall in love um, again, like I've, uh, uh, I, I almost want to say, um, in, like in the beginning, though I think I love Him a hundred times more than what I ever did, but that constant drawn, drawing into His first love. You, you understand what I'm saying? That constant excitement about who He is and about life. Um, I think there's so much beauty that's found just in understanding um, how God sees first. Can I just say something? Here's the thing about God that I love, is God cannot be second. You see, He might be second in your life, but God cannot be second. He'll always be first. God is first. He always, he's always been first. He'll be first today. He'll be first tomorrow. He's everything in between up until the last day. Not that there will ever be a last day for God, but God will just be first. And there's something beautiful if I understand what it means to live my life with Him as the first in my life. And I'd like to speak to you about that this morning. Is that okay? So good to see some familiar faces back in church. It's the first time that I'm here um, in Pretoria since the start of 2024. So I'm just um, seeing familiar faces and I just love seeing all of you. It's great to be in church. So I want to speak to you about first this morning. Is that all right? And I want you to speak back to me this morning because... Uh, I'm going to be diving into some things around first fruit and finances. And I know that sometimes we get about a bit stiff if, if we go into those things. Um, I heard a preacher say earlier this week as I listened to a teaching, he says, if you speak about finances, it's either going to make you um, sad, it's going to make you glad, or it's going to make you mad. You're going to be hearing some things today and you're either going to think, man, I'm so glad that I'm living in that truth. Or you're going to say, man, I'm so sad that I'm hearing this for the first time. Or you're gonna say, man, I'm so mad at what this guy is saying, but I trust that, that something in your heart would be moved into gladness as you leave here this morning. Maybe just a raise of hands. Who's with us for the first time? Like first time visitors here at Empower Church. Won't you just raise a hand quickly? Any first time visitors? Wow, look at that. Bless you, bless you. So good to have you. Welcome, welcome. Man, it's the new year, it's new people, it's new things. Um, I just want to say welcome to Empower Church on behalf of Prophet and the whole leadership. Just thank you for being with us this morning. I trust that you'll have an amazing time with us and that God will move something in your hearts as well. So speaking around first fruits, why do I want to speak about first fruits? Well, because next weekend, 
next week Sunday, we've got our first fruit conference. And it's, it's for us as a church, it's always such a beautiful time of presenting ourselves before God. Um, and, but I, I understand that, that sometimes, especially when we're new to church, we don't always understand exactly how first fruit works and the principle of first. And I'd like to share that with you this morning. Is that okay? So this is still my introduction, by the way, but I promise to have you out of here before two. Is that okay? Everybody happy? All right. Okay. Thanks, William. I saw that excitement. So maybe just want to say the following. Normally what I do is when I preach, I, I, I love to just, to just be with God as much as what I can. Just me. Uh, I mean, I respect other teachers in the body of Christ and I love to read in books and commentaries, but I, I, I really almost try my best not to flood myself with too much information as I prepare the word of the Lord for myself because I don't just want to preach other people's revelation. But this week, I, I felt like I really want to study this topic again. Though I've preached on first fruits before, um, I felt like I really want to do a bit of study and, and just hear what other people in the body of Christ has to say. So, I mean, I downloaded like a whole list of teachings from YouTube and read up on commentaries. And I mean, I just flooded myself with as much teaching as what I can to hear what people are saying. And, and I just want to mention two things. Firstly, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm shocked how misunderstood the topic of first fruits is in the body of Christ. I tell you, listening to all those teachings, I heard like 20 different views on first fruits. And it's actually shocking because if I look at scripture, me, myself, it, for me, it's, it's, it's fairly simple. But it's like it's become a very complicated topic in the body of Christ. Different views and opinions and how it should and shouldn't work and what you should and shouldn't do. And I think to myself, my goodness, is that what we're putting out there to the believers and the body of Christ? And I must also be honest with you, I was deeply grieved to see how many ministers of God's Word has used this topic to manipulate people into giving money to their ministries. And I promise not to do that this morning. I don't want to manipulate anybody into giving financially using the topic of first fruits because I've seen it's something that many preachers love to do. But, here's the but. I can't speak about first fruit without speaking about giving this morning. So won't you open your heart with me? I really want to ask that with great humility. Open your heart with me this morning to hear something from God. And I'm not just going to be speaking about finances, but, but it includes our first fruit. I can't speak about it without including that. And I really ask that you would open your heart so that God can speak to you. Is that all right? And that you can walk out of this place saying, man, I really heard the Lord speak to me this morning. And I am strengthened, I am empowered, and I am enriched leaving here this morning, having heard what I've heard. Is that all right? Thank you so much. Can you open your Bibles? Um, the book of Leviticus. Some of you are thinking, oh man, this is going deep real soon if we start at the book of Leviticus. Chapter number 23. And I'm going to be reading verse 9 to 11. Thank you, my boot. Bless you for that. So I'm going to be reading from the New King James, and then I'd love to read the same scripture from the New Living Translation as well. So listen to this. It says, the New King James, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruit of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On that day, after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Then it says in the New Living Translation, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I'm giving to you, and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. And on that day, after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it up before the Lord, so it may be accepted on your behalf. Isn't that beautiful? Who of you have ever heard about the wave offering or the weave offering? Raise of hands. Uh, we haven't dwelled much in Leviticus, eh? Okay, so can I give you a bit of a historical background here? It's like nine of you. Can I give you a bit of historical background? So, so what happened is, and, and you know what I love about the Scripture is God says, when you come into the land that I am giving you, please note that, God wasn't requiring any harvest or offering or first fruit from them when they were still traveling through the desert. He says, I'm going to bring you into a land 
overflowing with milk and honey. It's gonna be a fruitful place. And when you come into that land that I give you, so please note that, God has brought you into a land. You might say, oh, Pastor Eric, if I look at my bank account, it doesn't look like a very fruitful land here. I tell you now, God has brought you into a land. And whatever you harvest in your land, God says, there's what I wanna speak to you about. But please note that it's His provision that we're talking about here this morning. Is that okay? So please note that back in the day, Israel's economy was in its agriculture. It was all about what they harvest. And, and I mean, they harvested, planted different things. But I mean, they weren't mining for diamonds back then. You catch what I'm saying? They weren't selling Gucci shoes or anything like that. They, it was all about the agriculture. That's where the economy was found. And God says, when it's harvest time, when the harvest, doesn't matter if it's grain, doesn't matter, when that harvest starts to appear in the field, I want you to go and I want you to take a sheaf. I want you to take a part of that harvest. The Bible doesn't specify it's gotta be this amount or this weight or this volume. It just says, I want you to take of the first offering, the first bit of, of ripe harvest. And I want you to take that and I want you to bring that to my house. And then what was beautiful is they gave that to the priest and the priest, the Bible says, would wave it before the Lord. I did a bit of study on that and it's actually beautiful how different rabbis um, see the wave, the weave offering as well. But most agree that it was literally like a waving before the Lord. It was like they would lift this offering before God and just wave it in thankfulness. Just be like, God, thank you for what you have produced for this man. Come on, can you imagine? Now you're a farmer, you're harvesting grain. The first grain is ripe. You take that bundle, you take it to the house of the Lord and you and that priest have the opportunity to stand there and present that offering before God. Hey. The weave offering, most rabbis would agree, looked different. It was almost more of like a, a up and a down kind of a motion that the priest would do, which for me was beautiful because the one is sideways, the one is upwards. It, it just gives me this picture of the cross. Anyway, we'll get to that in a moment. But um, they would present this to God. And, and what they would do, the, 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 the person that brought this offering, it would be um, them saying, God, I thank you for the newness of life. And God, I thank you for what you have given me. I give that back to you. Eh? Isn't it powerful? It's such a principle in that. I, I speak about it often when we dedicate babies as well. It's just I've received something from God. The best I can do with it is just give it back to God. Eh? Jesus gets the five loaves, the two fish, just gives thanks before God. He lifts it up before Him and He multiplies it. There's something powerful that happens in that waving motion before God. I'm not sure if I'm still speaking to the right church here this morning. Some of you need to take your paycheck at the end of the month and just wave that before God. Okay, um, that was a joke. So that's, that's the, a bit of history, um, what happens in that wave offering. And what was beautiful, what the Bible teaches us, is in that wave offering, um, by Him presenting His first fruits, God says, because you bring the first to me, I redeem the rest. Please note, it wasn't the full harvest on the field. It's the first ripe grain. So anything can still happen to the rest of the harvest. Hail, locusts, whatever. But it's Him saying, God, I thank You for what You are about to do. I thank You for what You are about to give. I thank You for what You will do in my 2024. God, I thank You for what You will do in my family. God, I thank you for what you will produce through my business. God, I thank you for what you will do in my finances. Get, catch what I'm saying? And the first redeems the rest. That's such a powerful principle. And it's found throughout Scripture. Genesis, um, Exodus, Leviticus, almost all the books in the Torah speaks about that principle of first that redeems the rest. We see it in the life of Jesus. It was the firstborn Son of God that redeems the rest of the harvest. That's us. Come on, that's what James calls us, chapter number one. He says, we are a first fruit because Christ Himself is the first fruit. And we'll look at that in a moment. So that's the history of, of how it actually happened back in the day. And when I read it, it was such a beautiful picture to me about not just the principle, but the heart that comes with that principle. You see, the first fruit offering is a principle in Scripture. And by the way, let's just remind ourselves that God is a God of principles and patterns. 
Everybody's still okay if I say that. It means that God has set this whole universe in motion using specific laws, principles, patterns. Everything works according to design. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you don't. I've used the example of gravity before. Gravity is a pattern. It's, it's, you might say, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I understand it. If I let something go, it's gonna drop to the floor. It's the pattern. It's the design. And everything in our lives is according to design. Marriage is according to design. We might say, well, I don't like God's design of marriage. I wanna be with whoever I want to be. I wanna marry um, nowadays. I mean, we've just dropped all rules in society. You can marry anybody. You can stay with somebody and not be married. We just make our own rules. The reality is uh, we think it's our rules, but we're violating the design. That's why it's not working. You understand what I'm saying? So there's a principle. And the first fruit is a principle. It's not my principle. It wasn't some preacher back in the 1300s that decided I'm gonna you know, see how I can get people to give money you know, at the start of the, of the new year. It's a principle that God has given us. And if we understand the principle, we get to understand something about his heart. The principle of first. Say with me, the principle of first. I love that principle. And it, like I said, it's found throughout scripture. I did a bit of study here and there. Uh, one of the things that I saw, even as, as early as Genesis chapter number four, Cain and Abel. You all know the story, Cain and Abel? Uh, most of us, I mean, we can not know a whole lot of stories, but most of us know Cain and Abel. So, I mean, for me, that was one of the stories that always sort of baffled me in scripture. It's like, why would God accept Cain, uh, Abel's offering and not Cain's offering? Have you ever thought like that? Anybody? It's like, God, that's weird. I mean, but they both bring you something. Why do you accept the one and not the other? And I read it again in Scripture now, Genesis chapter number four. It says, in the process of time, Cain brought his offering before God. But it says, Abel brought his first fruit to God. It's clear that, 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 that Cain in his, in his farming, there was a stage where he brought an offering to God. Abel gave first. It's the principle of first. If you read the book of Exodus, God speaks about how the firstborn son must be consecrated to him. How the firstborn animals should be consecrated to him. How everything in the firstborn is his. It says, the only thing I don't want is a donkey. It's not a clean animal. If you want to redeem the firstborn donkey, then bring a sheep and sacrifice the sheep on behalf of the donkey. The first that redeems the rest. You, the, the clean Jesus that redeems the unclean. It's, it's, it's patterns, it's, it's everywhere in Scripture. Everything points us to the beauty of Jesus, that He became our first fruit offering. <laughs> anyway, let me share another example with you. Jericho, it was the first city that the Israelites conquered as they went into the promised land. Everybody still with me? Interesting that under the leadership of Joshua, they conquered 10 cities. God says, I want the first. You remember? God said, in the city of Jericho, I don't want you to take anything for yourself. Nothing of the spoils belongs to you. It is mine. You don't take a Gucci tacky. You don't take one rand, one dollar. Everything in that city, every sheep, all the cattle, Elkerunner, alles, it belongs to me. The principle of first. The principle of first. Taking of what God gives me, the first, the best, saying, God, I thank you for what you have given me. I thank you for the newness of life. And I thank you that everything that follows, you will redeem on my behalf. Such a beautiful principle. But here's the problem with a principle, is it's so easy for us to get stuck in a principle. And the first fruits is just, a clear example of how easy, even in the body of Christ, how easy it is to become stuck in a principle. When I religiously start to focus on, I must do this, and then God does this, and then this is done, and then this is the result. You, you catch what I'm saying? When the principle becomes the focus, it's easy to get stuck, and we become religious. We lose joy. We lose the understanding of what God is actually requiring of us, because never did God say, I just want you to obey a set of principles. No, no, no. Let me guide us this morning. If the principle does not point us to a person, then we've lost the principle. That would have been a great place to say amen. And that person, church, is Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. 
He's the one that was lifted on that cross. He's the one that paid His life. He's the one that became the offering so that we can be redeemed. Everything points to Jesus. Listen to what Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 20, I think. Yes, verse number 20. It says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. <laughs> Listen to this. Christ is risen from the dead and He has become the first fruit. He is the first fruit. Can't speak about first fruit conference and giving a first fruit offering and, and giving first of my life, whether that's in my time, first in whatever, but I can't see that Jesus is the one that everything points to. What am I trying to say to you this morning? I'm trying to say to you this morning that if our hearts are not drawn to a person, it's very difficult to obey a principle. And it's my prayer in this morning, the next couple of minutes as we come in for a slow landing, that the person of Jesus would be revealed to every single one of us that the beauty of Jesus will be seen in this. I wanna use an example that I used in the first service. <laughs> um, many years ago, well, I grew up on a, no, I didn't grow up on a plot. I, for the last couple of years of my life, well, for the last two years or so, I've been living in a different location. But before that, for about 17, 18 years, I lived on a plot um, right next to this beautiful mountain range of ours. And it was just a little piece of heaven on earth. We had so many different fruit trees on that plot. Most of them I didn't plant. Mangoes, oranges, nuts, grapes, avos, peaches, pomegranates. Think it. And it was there. The only thing we struggled is our lychee tree. I mean, we tried three, four different versions of a lychee tree. And for some other reason, the lychees just didn't seem to go lacquer there. But everything else just flourished. And I remember, I couldn't, I can't remember if it was our first year there being married, Cornelia and myself, or our second year. But I remember <clears throat> the one um, afternoon, it was uh, our, next to our driveway, we had this, uh, these peach trees. And I mean, I drove past those peach trees every day. So I could see, hey, it's, it's that kind of time of the year and the, uh, the, the blossoms would open. And I, I, I could see that. But we were walking down the driveway and when we walked past this one peach tree, the one right next to the driveway, I saw on it the most perfect, beautiful little peaches. It was like something out of a movie. It was absolutely magnificent. And some of them were ready to eat. And I, would, I can never forget the joy that I experienced of seeing the fruit on those trees. And that they were our fruit. And that I could enjoy them. And it was that same year where we did our first first fruit conference here at church. And back then, some of you would remember, um, Pastor Carl said, you can bring, um, other than your financial gifts, bring anything that you want before the Lord. And Gornay and I, we packed our little basket with our little beaches. Oh, man. <laughs> I tell you, friends, the joy that I had in presenting my first fruits before God, I cannot explain to you. I walked into this church with my little basket of peaches like it was the most precious gift I can give to God because it was my first fruits. It was, and back then I didn't really understand first fruit. I just knew that it was something that was on that tree and it was, it was mine to give or to withheld. And I wanted to give it to God. I said to the first as well, I don't know what they did with my peaches. I don't know who ate them. Maybe Pastor Carl ate some of them. I don't know. Or maybe they gave it away. I don't really care. For me, I brought them to the house of the Lord and I presented it before Him. Um, and I must just tell you my pineapple story. Have you ever planted a pineapple? Just a raise of hands. I want to see. One, two, three, four. It's like in this whole congregation, thousand whatever people, five people. I tell you, for me, there was a stage I just absolutely loved pineapples. I thought, man, I'm eating so many of them. I'm buying so many. I'm going to plant them. Did a bit of study on how to plant them. It's not as easy as what it looks. It looks fairly easy. It looks like chop the top off, you know, stuck it in the ground, and, you know, that's supposed to be it. But, I mean, those pineapples just, I mean, they wouldn't want to grow. I mean, the dogs, they had half of them, you know, 
out before, you know, they could even take root. But I remember looking at those pineapples like day after day and I just, I mean, nothing was happening there. It's like this frustrated, it's not like this tree that you plant and you see it growing. It's just this dry piece of stalk there and nothing happens because you can't see anything happening underground. Eh? And I remember there was a stage, I actually forgot about my pineapples. But then one day I walked down to where our garden was there at the bottom and there it was, this perfect little pineapple sitting right there on the ground. I mean, if you've ever seen it in your life, it's absolutely magnificent. I took that pineapple, it was still green. I ate that thing. I was like, the dogs will not have this. I will have my first pineapple. And, um, but the joy in harvesting, I, I, I'm not a farmer. Agriculture is not my game, but I can testify. I've seen the joys of, of, what it, of what happens in our hearts when God provides something. And maybe you feel like that every time you see your salary fall into your bank account. Eh? It's like when I saw my pineapple, you're like, thank you, Jesus. I can imagine some of you will say, thank you, Jesus, end of Jan. It's like, thank you, Jesus, for that. Maybe you've been putting a 10 out on a contract or, or venturing out into a new business and you see God pr providing. You see the harvest on the field. You understand what I'm saying? That sense of thankfulness. Anybody can relate with me? If you can't, then I don't know if you've ever had a paycheck or something come your way. And there's something that God wants to see happen in our hearts when that happens. And that is found in the principle of first fruit. I've taught my children to tithe. And I can tell you, all three of them, in teaching them the first time, were absolutely shocked. Why? Am I supposed to give a tenth of my money to Jesus? It's like it's my money. I mean, he's got so much. Why does he need more? You understand? Have you ever taught your children to tithe? But I know that that principle, weird as it may be, or even the fact of resistance towards that principle will be the principle that liberates them in their own lives and sets them up for God's blessing over them. So they might be like, God, Dad, what do you want from me? I mean, why am I supposed to give my money to Jesus? But I've seen them grow in that where the principle is no longer what they obey. It's the person that stirs their heart. They might not want me to say this and I don't want to steal their blessing, but it's been, it's been so great to see them as they grow older, how they often come and then they say like, Dad, you know, I feel like I must give this to that person or I must give that to that person. And sometimes I feel like, because remember now, I am the source here. So I would give them, I would bless them financially. And I like to do that extravagantly as I can. And then they say, Dad, I feel I'm going to give all this money to that person. And I almost, I mean, it's easy for me to feel like, just whoa a minute, please. Uh, just can we talk about what you want to do here? But for me, it's incredible to see how they have grown from a principle to a person. And I feel like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to brag with my kids here. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to, to, to stress a point. And many of you I know has, has reached that place in your own life where it's no longer the principles that govern us. It's the person of Jesus that governs our hearts. If I stood next to that peach tree on my plot and there was just one peach that was ready, I would give it to Cornet. No, please, I'm not trying to be like the, oh, what a great guy. It's the reality. I loved her so much. I would have given it to her. And she loved fruit way more than me anyway. So <laughs> my kids will agree. I mean, she would just have fruit for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I would have given it to her. Understand the principle there. It's easy to give something to somebody that you love. It becomes even more easier. It's bad English, my apologies. It, be, it becomes even easier if you love that person more than what you love yourself. See, if love is the motivator, I'll give anything. If I love Bongani enough, if he hasn't got a jacket on, I'll give him mine. And I'm not trying to manipulate you with the love of God here this morning. I'm 
trying to say to you that Jesus is trying to lure us in, draw us in, invite us into this beautiful love story. Story where we are not, as believers, supposed to be governed by a set of rules and regulations. But you don't feel like you've got to come to next week, Sunday's First Fruit Conference and feel guilty or obligated or pressured to give an offering. But that you can come next week and whatever your harvest is, whether it's your paycheck, a contract, uh, whatever it is, but that you can take of your harvest and bring that before God next week and say, Yara, I love you. <laughs> I love you, Nate, Yara. And I bring more than just my finances to you this morning. I bring you my life, God. Because that's what He wants. He does own the, the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he really doesn't need our money, to be honest with you. He needs our hearts. And that's why He asks for our money. <laughs> because for most of us, our hearts are connected to our money. Something that just jumped in my heart in the first service, and I want to say that to you again. I think, I think it becomes so easy when we understand the beauty of sacrifice. And yes, I, I know it's it's like it's not two words that's supposed to be in the same sentence. Because to be honest, there's nothing beautiful in sacrifice, or is there? Let me use an example. God says, I'm going to offer my own son. There's nothing beautiful in that. You've read the story. There's nothing beautiful about the death of Jesus on that cross. But the Bible says, even Jesus, the one being offered, had a joy that was set before him. And he willingly went to that cross. And the father joyfully offered up his son. Why? Because he saw the rest of the harvest. <laughs> There's beauty in sacrifice. If you can learn the beauty of sacrifice, everything in your life will change. Example. If you understand the beauty of sacrifice, you'll have a great marriage. Any married people in the house? <laughs> yeah. If you've got that view that I'm not sacrificing anything, I tell you now, your marriage cannot be beautiful. It will be like a war zone. But if you have made that decision to say, I'm willing to sacrifice willingly because I love another person, that joy in laying something down, wow, your marriage will be beautiful. It's easy for us to see it if I say in the context of marriage, sometimes we struggle to understand it in the context of finances. I've learned the joy in sacrifice when it comes to finances. I'm not here to try and boast in myself, my own efforts. I tell you now, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've got so much to learn still. But there's been times in my life where I've, I've sacrificed financially. In the beginning, I, I felt like giving a tithe was a massive sacrifice. It's like, how do I do this? Bringing an offering, sowing a seed when God says, I want you to take that and sow it into that. Many a times I was like, God, how do I do that? Any of you can relate? But looking back, I can tell you that it's only been beautiful to see the rewards that has come through my joyful sacrifice. I, I cannot look back at one season of my life and say, yeah, 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 God, you're good. But just remember back in 2013, how I struggled. You know, I gave everything away, God, and I, you know, no. In every season of my life, God has been faithful. And I wanna say to you this morning that God wants to draw us into that place where we will joyfully live a life that is sacrificially lived unto Him. That's why Paul says, become living sacrifices. Man, if I'm a living sacrifice, then God can take anything from me. <laughs> you 
if I'm nailed to a cross, if I'm giving my life to Christ. But when I'm on that cross, I'm not worried about my Fort Everest or my jacket or my pair of shoes. Or, you can have all of it. I'm busy with something there that's much more important. There's no value. There's no earthly uh, material thing that, that ever compares to what's happening there. On that cross, I'm not crying out for more money. On that cross, I'm not begging God for a new pair of tackies. On that cross, no, no, no. There's something else that I'm exchanging before God. You catch what I'm saying? And that's where God wants us to live. I'm not saying we should live our lives like people being crucified every day. But the gospel is all about crucifying yourself daily. But here's the problem, is we have forgot that that's supposed to be a joyful sacrifice. Come on, how many Christians, when you greet them, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fighting the good fight of faith, or I'm laying myself down, you know, I'm dying to self, I'm suffering for Christ. And, and we, we take it so literally that we've lost the joy. Because we have a joy set before us. We have a God that says, it doesn't matter what you give. If you've given it in a response of obedience to me, I tell you the reward will always be greater. You cannot outgive me. You cannot overtake me. I will always be ahead of you. I will always make a way for you. That's the God that we serve. And I wanna say to you today that God, God will always require sacrifice from you. You'll never reach a place, age 50, or maybe when you retire, 65, then God says, hey, but you've worked hard, you've done well, you've given a lot, now just, you know, enjoy the ride. Just park back, relax, no more sacrifices coming your way. I tell you, even the eldest amongst us will tell you that day by day, week by week, month in, year in, there's always a sacrifice that's needed. The question is, where do I position myself in that sacrifice? Because sometimes the sacrifice feels too hard to give. And I'm not just talking about financial sacrifices now. Sometimes that's the easy sacrifices. Any people in the house this morning? I tell you, there's been some things that God has asked me to sacrifice even lately. I would give any amount of money away, but to keep that. But if I live my life in obedience to Him, if He's the object of my affection, if He's the wave offering that has been set before me and I can walk in the beauty of what He has done, if He's the prize, then, then I have to surrender my life into His hands and say, God, even though it hurts, God, even though it's not easy, and, and that might be in if God asks time of you. Maybe that's what you need to sacrifice this year. Maybe God is not interested in whether you give a million bucks next Sunday. He's saying, just give me your time. Stop being so busy. Come and wave your time before me, Yerik. Maybe you need to sacrifice something in your life that, that has got no monetary value. Maybe God wants you to wave your kids before Him this year. Say, God, I thank you for my children. I thank you for what you have given me. God, I present them before you as an offering. I thank you for new life. I thank you, God, that what I present to you today, the heart in which I come to you redeems the rest of their lives set before them. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying? It's about a heart um, principle found in a person. That's what moves the heart of God. And there's the scripture in, now I've got to read this. There's the scripture in Proverbs. Please allow me one second to find it and then I'm closing. Proverbs chapter number three, verse nine to 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So what, what, what Solomon is saying here, he's saying, honor God with everything. Everything, honor Him with that. And listen to this. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. He says, if your heart's desire is to honor God with everything, not just your first fruit offering, with everything, if your life, your family, your time, everything about you is what you offer to God, and that heart is the one of thanksgiving, you will never lack in your life. You'll have enough time. You'll have enough 
godly relationships, your family, your finances, everything in your life will overflow if that's your heart's attitude towards the Father. And that's my prayer for you this morning. And I wanna pray that over you this morning. That that attitude, that joy that is set before us, the beauty of what we are able to present to God at the beginning of this year, not just finances, everything in our lives that we can present before Him, that that joy will flood our hearts again this morning. And that the rest of your year will be the harvest that is redeemed because of that heart's attitude. That what I am able to give God now will set the tone for how I will live the rest of my year. Come on, is there somebody that wants to say amen to that? Because I just feel like that's something for me. I wanna present myself before God now, this day, this month, this season of my life, and I want the rest of my year to be a harvest that speaks of that joy that is set before me now. And that I will continue to see the beauty of God the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the incredible love of the Father, that intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and just the abundant provision of God in every single area of my life. I don't love God because He's um, able to produce finances. He's not a slot machine or an ATM. If I put the right things in in the beginning of the year, I get the right results out. He's the lover of my soul. He's the object of my affection. And I'm gonna love Him in such a way that my whole year speaks of His love for me. Won't you stand with me? I'd love to pray for you. <laughs> um, I just want to say something quickly. Man, Jesus loves you like crazy. I, 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 this whole service, to be honest with you, second service now, it's like as I look, maybe it's because I see so many familiar faces, but I'm, I'm just so reminded Constantly, It's like my heart is just overwhelmed with how much God loves every single one of you. And you might have looked in the mirror this morning and not be impressed with what you see. I tell you, Jesus thinks you're absolutely amazing. And I'm not just talking about your physical appearance here. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And I want to say this this morning. Friends, hear my heart. I don't want to throw out some prophetic word or just some declaration that makes us all feel good and we have butterflies in our stomach. God's going to, you know, it's going to be this great year for all of you. But I do want to say this to you, that it's His delight to make sure that there's a harvest on your field in this year. It's the Father's delight to show you His goodness. I want my kids to see the goodness of God. So I want to see their, their harvest fields be full of ripe grain this year. And God wants the same for you. And all you need to do this morning is just open your heart and say, Yara, love you. You are the object of my affection. And you will know as you go into this weekend, as you prepare yourself for first fruits next weekend, whatever God wants you to bring, including whatever financial offering He wants you to bring, you'll know exactly how your heart is moved. You don't need to be manipulated by a preacher or a teaching or a principle. But let your heart be receptive for the beauty of His love this morning. He loves you. Loves you so much. Every single one of you. He loves you dearly. Yara, ons love E. God, we love you so much. We haven't even seen you face to face, Jesus, and we just, we just love you. We've read so much about you. We've heard so much about you. We've heard testimonies. And in all of that, it's, it's our heart's response to cry out this morning and say, yes, it's love here. But we can't wait to see you face to face, see your beauty, see your holiness. See the incredible grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ in person. But this morning, we just want you to know that we love you, God. And we present ourselves before you this morning. Everything about us, our lives, God, the bodies that we're walking, 
the families that we have, our workplaces, our jobs, our businesses, our money, everything. We just presented before you this morning. And we want to say, God, everything that we have is yours. We're so thankful, God, that we can have a harvest on our fields. That you've brought us into a promised land. And you have devoted yourself to be the one that provides for us. That you said there will be milk and honey, produce on the field. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are kind to us. God, forgive us where our natural response is not always to honor you first. Sometimes we just take the produce from that field and we just eat it ourselves. Sometimes we don't even share it with others, God. But this morning we want to make a, a commitment, a vow to say, God, whatever you give to us, we will first give something to you. Say, God, thank you. We wave it before you. In this morning, actually, we just want to wave our lives before you, God. Everything in it, just wave it before you, God. Say thank you for new life. Thank you for a new year. Thank you that we can have an expectation. Not that it won't be filled with challenges and difficulties, but that we will see a harvest on our fields including financial harvest, that we will see your provision, we'll see your goodness, we'll see your kindness, we'll see you make doors open where there didn't even seem to be a door. God, we wave our lives before you in this morning. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you thanks. We give you song. We wave our lives before you in this day. Say thank you for new life. Thank you for redeeming us. We have because you've given. And we love you. We love you, God. We love you, God. Take this world. Give me Jesus. Lord, I'm so aware that there's people that's making an exchange with you this morning. If this morning God requires you to sacrifice something to Him, make that decision, man. Doesn't matter what He asks of you. You might feel like, God, it's more than what I want to give. I want to have that peach, God, for myself. Just give it away. Give it away to Jesus this morning. Make a decision. Doesn't matter what it is that he's asking. Just say, Jesus, I give it to you this morning. Take everything. <laughs> Take everything. This world. Give me him. We want you, Jesus. This world. Take this world and give me. Give me. 
say to you this morning that Jesus can do so much more with your life than what you ever can. Jesus can do so much more with your finances than what you ever can. This morning, wave your life before Him. Say, Jesus, I give you everything and then see what He does with your life. Jesus, I pray for every single person in this church, every person online, and even those that will be watching at a later stage. Lord, I pray that joy will return to us. Where we have become so caught up in principles, in rights and wrongs, that we have missed the beauty of Jesus. That in this day, joy will flood our hearts again. And that we will see the incredible beauty of the person of Jesus in all of our lives. I pray for people this morning, God, in this place that need to see a produce being harvested on a field. Lord, let our desire for what we need not drive us, but let the love of God overwhelm them in this day, that they will know that you are the one that owns the field. You are the one that gives the seed and you are the one that produces the harvest. May a joyful expectation fill our hearts this morning to know that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than what we can ever ask or imagine because you are good. And God, we in this day as Empower Church give you our praise. We give you our lives. We give you a sacrifice. We give you an offering this morning of praise. And if you are here this morning and you love Jesus and you want Him just to have everything in your life, won't you say amen with me this morning? (laughs) Come on, let's say amen again.